Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Preston M. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm Preston M. Smith, at PMS Artwork Everywhere on Internet Land and Socials. I want to thank you for landing on this podcast. Whether you're a professional artist, just getting started in the art world, a collector of art, or just consider yourself a creative person, this podcast has something for you. I like to think of it as a fun way to rant and talk to other creative people about living the life of an artist, surviving and getting ahead in the art world, and enjoying your life. But most importantly, not waiting until you're dead to make it happen. All right, let's get started. Welcome to the show, Paul. How are you, man? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm yeah. doing very well. Awesome. It's funny. We, we've bumped into each other so many times at Shockbox. And at the beginning, I kind of just thought you were a local. I was like, oh, this guy's really nice and supportive. Um, and then, you know, talking to Mike and, and, you know, getting to know everybody in the area after a while, I was like, oh, wow, shit, you're kind of a world famous not kind of, you are a world famous body painter <laughs> and photographer. That's uh, really cool. Um, it was awesome to know that. And you're also a very humble dude, which is great. Um, Thank you. That's, yeah, that's not really a question, but I just wanted to let you know that. Yeah, it's actually, uh, it's taken me a while to figure, you know, that that like famous question, uh, that old show, uh, I forget off the top of my head. It's like on, on uh, Damn, I can't remember the name of the show, but one of the questions is like, what do, what do you hate more than anything in the world? And I've just like in the last two years or so, I've identified that as arrogance. Oh my arrogance God. is just like such a major turnoff to me, and I I, I just don't see a like a need for it. You know, I think it's there's damaging. no need. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. we completely align on that. I've always been that way, and I think it's weird. I think sometimes people confuse niceness for weakness and mm. some people will try to take advantage of you but it's not weakness it's just it's just like that's how you should be we're all human beings it doesn't matter which level you're at um right. I, it could also be an la thing a little bit or at least exacerbated by being in la maybe that's why maybe that's why i've become aware of it a little bit more than i than i have in the past because i moved to i moved to los angeles well the south bay specifically about almost six years ago Oh, okay. So it's it's definitely two different worlds. It where is. I was and where were you? Well, I grew up in. I was born and raised in Chicago, but about ten years before I moved here, I lived in Rhode Island on the East Coast. Oh, and oh, by okay. the way, the name of that the name of that show just hit me. It was inside the actor studio. Oh, <laughs> with Lipton. I always love that show. Yes, James Lipton. Yeah. That's right. He's and he would ask that question, and and it was always hard for me to think what what is something I don't like. You know. <laughs> What's your I favorite wish I word? Could, <laughs> I wish I could go into a Lipton impersonation and just do the rest of the interview as Lipton. <laughs> we'll work on that. We'll right. get the video going for, for round two. I'll, I'll come in with my Lipton uh, yeah. I think he just passed, didn't he? No way. Did he really? Yeah, wow, I think it was. Well, I think it was a year or two ago. But yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, wow. His show was wow. really cool. Well, yeah, anyway, I want to. I want to let people know. Uh, for those of you know, small percentage of people who don't know who who Paul is. Um, I'm just going to take this from your website because you're going to say it better than I'm going to. Los Angeles artist Paul Rustan is known for his work in body painting and photography, 
winner of the North American Body Painting Championship, Championships, sorry, Rustan is recognized as one of the world's leading body painters whose style combines traditional fine art, pop culture, and reflections of contemporary world to create conceptually based body painting. An alum of both the School of Art Institute of Chicago and Rhode Island School of Design, Rustan's career span spans both the fine art and commercial worlds. His work has appeared on media including Spike TV, the Game Show Network, Sabado Gigante, I guess I'm saying that right, the Chicago Sun Times. Nailed it. Oh, nice. That's my wife. She's going to be proud of me. The New York Post, GQ, <laughs> Playboy, Maxim, and galleries along the East and West Coast. His work has been acquired in over 200 private collections. That's uh, quite the resume. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I've been working hard for a long time. <laughs> yeah, man. I know. It takes, it takes a long time, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It sneaks up on you, you know? Yeah, you're like, oh, wait a minute. All of a sudden, 20 years has gone by. Um, yeah. I think some people, and I want to I get your feeling on this. Um, I mean, you've been doing this for quite a while, I'm assuming. Yeah, I've been body painting for 15 years. Okay, yeah. See, there you go. Yeah, I've been doing this. Um, I've been, well, from school, it's been over 20, but I've been doing um, art as a career or trying to as a career um, and doing it professionally for four or five years now. But I was mm-hmm. doing it and pursuing it for about uh, 18 years. And yeah. you learn a lot uh, along the along the way. But one of the things that I get all the time now is it feels like younger artists are kind of, they're looking for like a quick, you know, um, like a shortcut. Like, what's the secret yep. sauce? What what button can I yep. push to get me there? Do you get that a lot too? Oh, totally. Without question. I think it's it's partly uh, the fault of social media and the, and the quick response you get from that. So you kind of expect it Definitely. after a while. But that also goes in accordance with, with my distaste for arrogance because social media you know, it gives you, it makes people's heads larger really fast it and does. you have to be careful not to consume too much praise and develop, uh, you know, an arrogance that is often just not warranted, you know? Yeah. And well, I think it's damaging. It's very damaging. Us, you know, it is. And I'll, yeah. I think that, um, it's taken away kind of the whole frame of reference. Like there's yeah. no, there's no more kind of, Oh, this is, this is my foundation. I'm a, a normal human being. Every, all the kids growing up now, it's just like they get on social media before they've really even developed their own personality. And it's just yeah. like, I'm going to be a social media star. And I look, I think yeah. it's great. I love certain aspects of social media. Um, and you've done very well on social media, like your Instagram following is very large and your YouTube following is very large. So you've taken advantage of that, but also there's the kind of, other side of it, the dark side, the dark side yeah. um, that you got to kind of watch out for because it can be all consuming, right? Oh, totally. I've navigated through the ups and downs of it. I mean, I, I've had the luxury of, of being there since the beginning, you know, um, yeah. when, when blogs first became a thing, you know, when you would sign on to AOL and go into chat rooms and like I was there from day one. So I got to experience all of the ups and downs, which is sort of, educated me on what's good and what's bad and and like what we're talking about with developing arrogance it's such an easy thing to fall into and i remember before i was doing body painting i was a cartoonist and i would do comic strips and they had a, oh, wow. a, a tri-weekly comic strip that was gaining some serious momentum popularity wise and That's uh cool. I still i still i think i don't get as many hits on my website now that i did when i was making the comic and I remember I was I was like 20 years old, and I remember going to San Diego Comic Con, and people would would um, 
approached me to get autographs and sketches. It was like, oh really? It was like a small taste of fame, and I was, as an introvert, I was really kind of scared of that. It yeah. really freaked me out a lot, you know. And so I kind of withdrew a little bit, and uh, I learned a lot from that because then when when it happened again with body painting or with whatever praise I was getting on social media, I knew to be sort of like, don't take this as fact. You know, appreciate, appreciate the love. The love is always great. I also get tons of hate, which is, Oh yeah. Especially on YouTube, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, I have a long list of hateful comments. I've I've been collecting my favorites basically, (laughs) but, um, I just learned, I, I had the luxury of learning things, you know, from the beginning where, like you said, kids nowadays don't have that luxury and it's a tough, it's a tough thing to navigate. It is. And if you base your happiness on comments you're getting on YouTube, you're going to be a miserable person. Yeah. I mean, you're, I'm sure you got a yeah. lot of good ones too, but for me, the negative ones yeah. always stand out so much more. Those are the ones that kind of stick of course. in your brain. I think that's human nature. You could have like 20 outstanding comments and then you get one that's just, it just ruins your whole day, you know? Yeah. So now I, I kind of tune all of it out. Really the, the only comments that I really value are among um, the peers, like the artists that I love and respect and admire. And when I hear something from someone like that, I'm like, oh, I did a good job. I did a good yes. job. If they say so, I did a good job. I think that's that's a good thing to live by. Um, so do you basically just not read comments anymore? Um, I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to. Well, that's the hard I mean, thing too. What, you what try was to, you nice? Have to engage, right? Yeah. What was nice was so I've had a lot of artwork go viral, and that's when things get really difficult. Um, yes. Because I mean, you wake up from a nice slumber, and you have you pick up your phone, which is kind of the thing that we all do, right? You pick up your phone, check your email, whatever, see what mm-hmm. you missed while you were sleeping, and when something goes viral, you just have like thousands of comments oh my god (laughs) and so many that are just awful just like awful hateful racist whatever like the worst things anybody can imagine you know type and you you wake up on this beautiful sunny day and you're like oh my god right i want to go back to sleep (laughs) i don't want to do this (laughs) and so so like back then this is just like i don't know seven years ago you know when this went when my first thing went viral and I had to deal with that. So, and you don't want to turn off the comments because that affects your reach. So I had to set my comments to approval only, which means that I didn't want, like sometimes I'll paint an 18 year old model, you know, and they might not be fully emotionally developed Mm -hmm. to handle someone saying about them publicly. Oh, she needs to eat a cheeseburger or she's too fat or she looks like this or she looks like, you know what I mean? Oh my God. So I would, I would, I would have to, uh, I would have to sort of, um, approve the comments to make sure nothing just awful critical and mean went out there almost to protect your model more than yourself right right yeah. right and yeah, that's um, good but after a while that takes the toll on you because you're reading thousands of just thousands upon thousands of just plain old negativity Not and to it mention takes it takes up a lot of time too yeah yeah i mean the last one that i i dealt with that i, I got um I think it was 1.3 million views in 18 hours. Oh wow! I spent I spent three hours cleaning up comments that had to be approved, and and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, like, you, you almost know, have to hire somebody to go time. through that. Yeah, and so so then I uh, so then YouTube released this thing where they filter comments. So if they have certain words, 
uh, it automatically gets um, held aside. So I no yeah. longer approve or disapprove comments unless I actually physically go and check what they set aside, which right. I actually did yesterday. And I kind of went through it quickly and approved some of that were genuinely, you know, constructive, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, but for the most part, that's been nice to not have to deal with that so much anymore. That just, is uh, maybe one of the best things that they've invented. Yeah. It's yeah. not flawless, but it, it's so much better than it was. Yeah, it's a filter. It it just helps. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's amazing. Well, I wanted to talk to you about the, uh, I was going to talk to you about it a little later, but you've had a lot of videos go viral as well as images, correct? Yes. Yes. That's amazing. So I, I was kind of poking around your YouTube channel the other day in preparation for this. And uh, first of all, I love all your work and the videos Thank are you. great, creative, interesting, fun. I saw, um, I first got hooked in with uh, your, I think it's your most recent one, the Roller Girl, right? Right, right. Yeah, I did that two weeks ago. Amazing. Uh, did you have to, first of all, I got a couple questions. First of all, um, I'm assuming you waited until kind of the quarantine was lifted a bit to get out there. Or, no. or, or, or some <laughs> no. question, is it better now to go out there because nobody's out there? Well, so I've always been uh, kind of reckless. Like I'm like, I'm very, like you said, you met me. I'm very calm and I'm easy to, uh, I think my first impression is like, I'm not, I, I'm like a ninja. I can hide in the shadows and people won't <laughs> notice me. You know what I mean? But on the inside, like I'm very kind of plain on the outside and chill and, and quiet. But on the inside, I'm definitely a punk. Awesome. And I don't like people telling me what to do. And, and I have, I'm missing like the fear chip. That makes uh -huh. you afraid of things. <laughs> so I'm just not really, to a certain degree, obviously, of safety, you know, but I'm, I'm not really scared of a lot of things. And so before the roller skating, I mean, I, I went out with a model all over L.A. during quarantine and we shot at 10 iconic locations. You know, I was like, nice. what, you mean everybody's at home? Well, I'm going everywhere that would be difficult to do a naked body paint shoot in public, you know. And so we yeah. went to like the Hollywood sign, went to the Chinese theater, we went to... Um, the Museum of Contemporary Art, went to the Brood, we went I to saw that, Staples yeah, I saw Center, yeah. <laughs> we went to all these places, you know, Rodeo Drive right in the center of it. Like, I just, I was like, I'm just going to capitalize on this. Like, and I didn't care. Yeah, I've been out every day. I've been out every day since quarantine started either. Like we just moved. And so I've been, I've been to Home Depot every day. And otherwise, if I'm making art, I'm not, nothing's stopping me. You nice. know, I'm going to do it. I don't care if I die. <laughs> isn't that funny that it's like they had all of the uh what was it called um it wasn't mandatory uh services whatever they they deemed to be appropriate to stay open i love how like home depot <laughs> so it's yeah them. it's like yeah yeah we can't shut down home depot everybody i mean it's People definitely it's definitely uh necessary <laughs> it is necessary hey i've done a lot of home improvements and i i, I live there sometimes so i also yeah, get a lot of definitely. art material there yeah. But actually, so this roller skating one, um, yeah, it's funny actually getting art material there. I'm always at Home Depot trying to get stuff to create some prop, you know, yeah. and then they're like, well, what are you, what are you trying to make? And it's like, the truth is stranger than fiction. So I have to like come up with like a more believable. I don't I'm be making like, a oh, shed. I'm trying to make, 
Yeah, I'm making a skull that turns into a rainbow dragon vomit. <laughs> and, and you know, and then they're like look at you like you're crazy. So Yeah, this other uh, guy in line's like, Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to make? I'm actually just looking for this piece that's shaped like this and does this. I don't know if it exists, but I, maybe you have something that kind of you know, and it's getting creative MacGyvering stuff. I love it, man. But with uh with the roller girl what I had to wait for, she was definitely concerned with going out in public. So one of one okay. of the disadvantages of quarantine was some models didn't want to paint yet. You know, they were they were scared. And I had a few that were gung ho like me, and we went out and did did it. But so she was. Uh, things started to ease up. So I, I asked her if she wanted to paint. And we've been wanting to do this roller skate thing for like two or three years, and we just never oh, wow. got around to it. So I was like, let's just do it. Let's just do the roller skate thing. Get it over with. And so we, we just had fun and did that and came out great. Did well, the very fun, well. Yeah. Well, the fun comes out. And it's funny because one of my first questions to you that I didn't get to at all because we just started talking, uh, which is better, but um, is how are you holding up right now uh, you know, in the quarantine and beyond? And how, has it affected your, uh, your practice, your art practice? But I guess it sounds like for you personally, not so much, but for your models uh, a bit. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Well, the, the, the roller girl one, it's great because first of all, you did an amazing job. I love seeing the faces of the people that she's like, uh, roller, yeah. by, roller skating by. And there, some of them are just like, Oh, you know, nothing. Yeah. They're just yeah. roller skating. And then you see a couple people as she passes, like turning their head, like, wait a minute. <laughs> did I see? Yeah. yeah. Double takes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. This one actually surprised me because it was more, people tend to notice that she was painted more than usual. I've done other stuff. Like I did oh. painted wetsuits and stuff and people couldn't tell at all. One yeah. person came and talked to the model and I, while I was shooting at the beach and, and they had no idea. We didn't even tell the person that she was naked. You know, they had no idea. They just were asking us about the photo shoot. Oh, know? that's so cool. That's cool. An, but I was surprised. A, a lot yeah. of people, they Good. could figure this one out. That's so interesting. Um, it's like hiding in plain sight. Yeah. I, lo- I, yeah, I love, love that. that aspect of it. I think part of the problem with the roller skates is that she's a phenomenal roller skater, which draws its own attention. She's very beautiful. And she's very draws its own attention. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so so that combined with the paint, like people are automatically looking. I've always I've always said and I've always sort of promoted that like whenever people do body paintings, like body painted jeans in public and stuff like that. It's always an attractive girl, and sometimes they paint like Daisy Dukes and a tight tank top, you know. And it's like right. that draws a lot of attention to itself already. Yeah. So it's like you're not going to fool a lot of people when you do that. Ideally, it'd be nice to paint someone who's quote unquote average looking, right? And yes, and paint something completely, completely nude, and and you can definitely fool the public when you do that. For sure. I can see it. I you mean, know, so I, I haven't like, done that yet. <laughs> <laughs> you should do it. Um, I noticed one theme with your work is definitely a lot of beautiful women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, it would be interesting to it's see. Actually you. easier. Yeah. It's easier to find models that are already models, you know, and oh, that uh, makes sense. Yeah. And are comfortable in their skin like that. Uh, I paint, I paint all sorts of people like yeah, tall, short, tall, short, big, thin, male, female, um, actually back, there was a point where I think I painted more males than females. Oh, but, really? Um, back when, when, um, the election happened, when Trump became president the night before that, Wait, I have Trump's two daughters. President? Yeah. I have two daughters and the night before he, he became president, I was really excited for them. I was like, girls, aren't you excited tomorrow? We're going to have <laughs> the first female president ever. Yeah, me cool. too. 
and then we woke up to to the reality and that bummed me out that really bummed me out and i'm not a super political person or anything but i was, yeah. I, I really believe that um hillary would have won if she wasn't a female you know and that yeah. bummed me out so i kind of i kind of just wanted i really lost interest in painting men and wanted to be more of a celebrate women uh, celebrate the strengths of women and i just started painting more women oh, and then at the cool. same time i've always i've always related better to women i have a, a much older sister mm-hmm. who was kind of like a mother to me too in addition to my mother and they're very strong independent puerto rican women and um i don't know i just always always related better to women overall i don't laugh at at locker room jokes you know and, and when when guys approach me about my work and they say you know just kind of locker room kind of things it's just it's a major downer for me so well, i yeah. just love celebrating women really that's amazing and i'm so glad you said that i actually i've had the same experience growing up i always related with my my grandmother and my mother like i you know i still i played sports and did all that thing but i always found myself gravitating towards the conversation in the kitchen rather than the yeah. oh let's talk about the sports even though i played yeah. sports but yeah i, just I mean i have my I have my sport vices for sure. I'm a big Bears fan from Chicago, but that's that's pretty much it, really. That's my, that's pretty, I mean, I was five years old when they won the 85 Super Bowl. That was my first experience of football, of sports. Oh, that's awesome. Just as you were, such a big deal. Just as you were understanding your own uh, consciousness, the Bears win. Yeah. 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 We we had the same thing with the Broncos. I followed the Denver Broncos my whole life. Mm. In Wyoming, we were like two, two and a half hours away from Denver. So it was basically. Yeah. So you had the Elway guy. You had the John Elway. We had Elway. Yeah. That's right, man. We watched him lose for many years and lose, you know, (laughs) in a devastating fashion. And then I know that feeling very well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden he, they won and then they won again. And we're like, okay, I'm good. I'm good now. Yeah. But um, it's so funny. I kind of just left sports behind. I did this complete you know, whatever, 180, 360, whatever well, you want to it's call it. Definitely, it's definitely gotten worse, you know? It's just it has. not what it used to be. And uh, I, I feel you. I feel you for sure. It's just I've nice. lost my hope a little bit. With the Bears winning anything ever again, I've kind of lost my hope a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, the thing, I guess the thing that bothers me, and, and maybe this goes back to what we were talking about, the difference between relating to women or men more is, is I know so many guys, so many guy friends and people in my family who it would literally ruin their day. And sometimes yeah. it would ruin their week. And it's yeah. like, dude, it's not worth that. I mean, it's a yeah. game. I understand getting into it, but once it's done, let's, let's uh, detach from it a bit here. Yeah. Let's go outside and enjoy the sun. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, so you're kind I didn't realize you were, um, I guess six years is not super, super recent, but did you, uh, you're kind of a Hermosa uh, transplant then, I guess. Definitely. Yeah, I'm a transplant. So how did you, uh, <laughs> oh, I hope I didn't, I hope I didn't out you with the locals. No, no, it's, it's fine. Like I, I, I understand the whole culture and, um, no, it's a great question. It's such a, what's funny is that it's, it, it makes sense for me. I've always kind of, I've always been like an outsider everywhere I've been, no matter where I grew up or anything like but I've had friends in every clique and any, anything you can imagine. I've, I've been a part of it, but I've always kind of done my own thing and ignored what everyone else is doing. So it makes sense that I would come in as a transplant and then yeah. dig myself in like a tick, baby. <laughs> you know, and, now they're like, this guy's and always like, you kind of, you kind of have no choice but to either hate me or accept me, you know? 
Right, right. And I, I, I dove deep in the culture and I, I fell in love with the history of the South Bay and I ended up, I gave back, you know, I, I, I joined the surf community and started taking pictures of surfers and I, I created imagery that, that raised funds for Heal the Bay and oh, nice. you know, I'm very active in the art community and I've just done a lot of things for this community to give back and with the hope of, you know, maybe getting some sort of acceptance, but if, if not, whatever, yeah. I'm here and I'm here to stay and it's going to take a little bit of, uh, you know, some sort of poison to get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit that part out. So people don't poison you. Uh, no, nobody. I mean, you fit right in. Like I would have not known the difference. So how did you meet Mike then? And also congratulations on becoming a, a, a member of the program at Shockbox Gallery. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. It was, that was a nice, that was a really nice thing because I've always been really active with, I'm active with all the local galleries and I, I try to participate with everybody that I possibly can. You know, as a, as a hustler, you got to get your work out there as much as you possibly can, you know, Definitely. but I'm, I'm, I, you know, I go to as many of the shows as I possibly could. And obviously that's how I met Mike through, through Shockbox, you know, attending the shows and, um, Oh, so you didn't know him before that? I, I don't I don't think I did. I met him, you know what? I met him through Laura Schuler. I was painting at Copro Gallery in Santa Monica and Laura yeah. brought him and introduced him to me. And then I just met him again through Shockbox, you know, and just just hung out a lot. And uh, now, nice. we're, now we're pals and now I'm part of the program. But yeah, it, it feels good because like I said, I'm always an outsider no matter where I go. And and I think, I don't know if, if I have a weird first impression with people, but like, I feel like people tend to shy away from me at first until they get to know me a little bit. And, uh, and so it's kind of nice. It was nice to, to have that sort of acceptance from Shockbox and uh, feel accepted, you know, that yes. doesn't happen very often. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, and it's such a, it's such a great gallery. Like we, I've talked to a bunch of other artists in the program and just artists who want to get into the gallery and locals. There's just so much um, opportunity there to grow and, and such a great community. Yeah. Mike's, Mike's awesome. It's not like your standard gallery system where you get right. in, you're fighting to get seen and maybe you get, maybe you get in a group show, maybe you get a solo show, but they're not really pushing you. I really feel like there's a great community and Mike has your back, you know, Mike, he's kind of like a gardener and he kind of helps you grow appropriately, yes. Yes. you know, and he doesn't like, he doesn't put limits on you. He doesn't say you can do this, you can do this. You know, there's other galleries that, shy away from my work because of the nudity and they say we can't hang that up or you can't do that or i get sent like i've had work pulled out of galleries gallery group shows because of a nipple you know and it's but they'll show painting they'll show paintings of nipples you know but mike has never in any way censored me or limited me he's always been very welcoming very friendly well spoken like i I admire his uh, knowledge of all things really yeah, and and then, and then you have his amazing wife, who's like the greatest mayor in the history of Hermosa Beach. Yeah, and speaking speaking of celebrating women, my God, she is one amazing human being. Yeah, I um, I, do, I just know her very briefly, but she's every time I've met her, she, or every time I've spoken with her, she's Mike amazing. is probably only rivaled by her, really. Really, <laughs> they're so just you, two amazing people, you know. And, good old fashioned power couple. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, and it's cool to see how Shockbox has grown all this time and continues to grow. And I'm I'm, you know, they had their scary moments here and there with like potentially getting shut down because of the the trouble down the street with the gym. And 
and it's just cool to see him thrive. And, it is. Uh, and now, now he has the support of so many artists and hopefully, hopefully it can go on for as long as possible. I think he's like back with a vengeance and, and here yeah. to stay now. Yeah. I completely and it's agree. Cool, uh, it's cool. It's uh, cool that he has great um, help with Astrid too. Right. I, mean, I, I had the <laughs> opportunity to paint Astrid, to paint Astrid last, last week, I think. You're and one she's of the cool. few. She's kind of punky. You know, she's kind of punky and I got to paint her. Yeah, she's we definitely have, we have a similar uh, we have a similar mentality. Punky so and very elusive. Like, screw the virus. Let's paint. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, very elusive. A lot of people have not been able to uh, to track her yeah, down. Yeah, she's really private. She's very she's private. She's so private. She doesn't. She does. I kind of admire that in this age of social media. You know, like I know not putting herself out there. And when she is on social media, it it's it never uh, ceases to surprise me what she comes up with. So. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you, um, you were talking about certain galleries shying away from your stuff for seeing a nipple. So I was curious to see how you were able to kind of grow on YouTube. I thought there might've been a problem with having the nudity um, or the perceived nudity, at least on, on YouTube. Has that been a challenge for you? Yeah. So this goes way back. Okay. <laughs> so 2011 Google plus came out, right? I've oh, yeah. always been, I've been slow at adapting to things. I've always been resistant to adapting to things. And right around that time just happened to be a time where I was like, you know what? I'm going to change that and I'm going to jump in on something new and just run with it. So I jumped in on Google Plus and hustled my butt off and they put out the Hangout, which is basically what Zoom is now, you know? Uh-huh. And they, they created the Hangout where you can talk to multiple people in one one setting and i noticed musicians and artists were putting their work out there in the early or the early phase of google plus the beta yeah. phase and they were getting some good attention for that so i was like well i'm going to do a live body painting and so i jumped on that and instantly because it was in beta and there was a limited amount of people on google plus it just got a lot of attention and i had this huge burst of, of following uh-huh. and support from from the users of google plus and then i would post my work and at this, around this time, I had a lot of trouble with Facebook censoring my work. Yes. And uh, so, so I was looking at Google Plus. It's like, oh, this is where I can post my work without trouble, hopefully. Right. And so I got away, I think, with three months of posting my work uncensored and never had an issue. And I, at this point, I think I had also done two or three live body paint hangouts that ended up also being streamed through another website to the world. And it was getting amazing numbers, like 250,000 people viewing at once, things like that. Oh, wow. And and then all of a sudden, one day, 13 images in my gallery were deleted for um, nudity. And instead of like bitching about it, which everybody tends to do, get angry, you know, you get angry and complain. Yeah. I posted moments in, in history where change happened, like Rosa Parks sitting right. in front of the bus. I, I, po- I posted various moments that happened in history, and I challenged Google to be different from all the social media, other social media companies and, uh, and just, and just posted that. And then the whole, like all the followers got angry for me. <laughs> oh, nice. There you go. So I never got angry and they got angry. And I was just like that night I was just hanging out in a private hangout with some friends. And all of a sudden the vice president of Google, the Gondotra joined my hangout oh, and wow. came and said, I'm just here to talk to Paul real quick. Paul, I just want to tell you that, we support your work and we reinstated your images. And I want you to know that 
you have the green light from Google, you can post whatever you want. Because I had already proven myself as like a tasteful artist. And, right. And I wasn't going to abuse, you know, opportunities like he understood. And I, after that, I was able to, to actually meet him in person in Mountain View, California, in the lion's den, you know, just like two doors down from Larry Page's office. Oh, wow. Just like talk, you know, and uh, it was a pretty amazing time. And early, early users of Google Plus that that sort of put a lot of energy in the social media, they appreciated that, and they they gave everybody verification on YouTube, which is owned by Google. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually lost my verification because I changed my YouTube username from Paul Rustan to just Rustan, and I I didn't realize I was going to lose the verification. Oh no. And, uh, so I lost it and I contacted them like, oh, sorry, you need to have 100,000 subscribers to apply for verification. I was like, oh, well, whatever. So I just I just kept hustling anyways. But um, Well, you're almost there. Well, the long story short, um, on YouTube, you can post nudity. You can post artistic nudity. You can post educational nudity. Um, and that's fine. You, you, you can mark your videos as mature, 18 plus, mm-hmm. which, which will usually keep it up there. And there's... There hasn't been, I haven't really posted anything flagrant. I think, you know, anything that's derogatory or uh, explicit or, you know, like just bad, they'll pull down for sure. And I had one video I've, yes, I've had, I've posted almost 300 videos now and I had one video get flagged and, and um, I got a notification that it was considered pornographic and I responded um, saying this is not pornography. I don't know who's judging that, but this was actually made uh, in response to the Me Too movement for a gallery show, and this is the video that was shown at a gallery in Los Angeles. You know, yeah. and and then they reinstated it. So oh, they've man. been really good. They've been really good with like maintaining contact. Also, you've and they, been good at at convincing them because not a lot of people. Yeah, can well, do I mean, that. it's easy to do when you're genuine. You know, I'm right. not bullshitting anybody. It's right. all real. This is a passion of mine, and I'm not doing this to be around naked chicks you know that's not my goal right. like i actually have a purpose and it's exploration and it's like there's a goal there and i think i can express that when when shit goes down basically and, also you uh, do have some notoriety in the art world too you know people see that you're i a think it helps a little artist. bit yeah. yeah 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 i think that comes with uh that's one of the things that i think like we were talking about earlier people expecting immediate you know, um, success mm-hmm. is, uh, one thing I've learned after all these years, cause I've been showing work in galleries since 2009, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one thing I learned is in the, in the beginning, in the get go, or especially if you're straight out of college, nobody takes you as seriously as they do. If you've been doing something for 15 years, like, now I'm, now exactly. I'm 40 years old. And he's like, this guy's going to keep doing this stuff <laughs> no matter yeah. what. Yeah, I'm 40, I'm 41, so I'm I'm right there with yeah. you, man. Yeah, and, yeah. And so it's like that. That it goes hand in hand with a patron buying your work. Like if they're going to buy your work early, some of them want to know that it's a good investment. That that it might be worth something. It might go up in value over long term. And you're less likely to get that value if you just graduated college or high school, even. You know, right? Or if it's your first versus, sale, versus showing of oh, this crazy 40 year old dude has been painting naked people. For 15 years (laughs) i don't think he's gonna stop he's not gonna stop you know yeah yeah no (laughs) the world likes it or not you know it's the same thing with me like i look back on a it's just kind of pressure over time and obviously you have to have some some talent too but um 
for me, it was like, I looked back all of a sudden and I said, oh my God, I just made over, I, I think I just hit my 425th uh, painting sale. Wow. I was like, okay, wow. I've been doing this. I, I've shipped like 300 plus pieces internationally. Yeah. I'm like, I feel That's like I'm, <laughs> I'm an artist, you know? <laughs> and I think yeah. people see that and they go, okay. Yeah. Like with you. And, they I, see that and they trust I wish, it. I wish people wouldn't um, think that artist was such a bad word. Like you saying to yourself that I'm an artist. I think that's okay to say, you know, oh, like, yeah. what are you, what are you like with everything you're doing? If you're not an artist, what are you, you know? Right. Like you're it's an like artist. A, <laughs> it's not a bad word. It's okay. I know. know? <laughs> There's a stigma about artists. That's one of the things that I wanted to do with this podcast and kind of with my work in general recently, as I made a transition from dark pop surrealism into this was I wanted to kind of get rid of that stigma of artists being like, you know, the tortured starving yeah. artist uh, type, you know, couldn't make money. Don't know how to run a business. Don't know. You know, I think that's just, that's completely false and it's a uh, mm-hmm. damaging stigma. And I think a lot of younger artists come up believing that because of that, it's been kind of perpetuated. Right. Yeah. Plus there's, there, there really is honestly just a balance that you have to find. I yeah. think you can, you can lean too much on business side and you can lean too much on production side and it's a hard balance to find. And I tend to lean a lot more towards the production side. I'm just happier when I'm producing artwork Yes, and I stop and sit back and like, set up a, a web page that sells my work, you know, but I just, mm-hmm. I have, it's like on my to-do list, but it's not a priority when it should be. Cause I need to make the money, you know? <laughs> sure. But you also have, um, for example, you were, I, I wanted to drop this. You've got, you were first place winner, uh, best photography book, Beverly Hills book awards. Um, I yeah. know you sell those on your website. Um, so that plus you do like tutorials, right? Like a DVD and, um, digital yeah. download tutorials. Yeah. So I'm I'm yeah. assuming that's something that you you kind of get some at least yeah I get a little bit I get a little bit of money from that yeah, yeah definitely I mean like like you know like you have to have many many uh, eggs in many baskets oh yeah a lot of irons in the fire that's that's what I learned it's yeah. kind of like uh, investing you know you want to have a diversified portfolio I mean I hate to definitely and I have terms, I have but... months where I have months where most of my income comes from commissions and then I have months where most of my income comes from gallery sales and yep varies all over the place but something is always happening that's perfect because you can't count on one thing like when i first started selling quite a bit i was like i had one art marketplace where i mean i was selling a little bit in galleries and privately through my studio but i was selling a majority of my stuff through this one art marketplace and i was like i i woke up one day and i was freaked out because i said what if what what if these guys just don't make it you know a lot of these art marketplaces fail and then boom like 30, 40% oh, of your income is gone. Yeah. That's a very good point. So in the same thing with social media, what if like Google Plus, for Absolutely. example, they're no longer Absolutely. around? What if Instagram yeah. goes tomorrow? I, I don't think they right. will because they're owned by Facebook. No, that's a but. very good point. That's a very good point. Because like, I got I got banned from Facebook back in 2012, I think, or 2014. Yeah. I but they deleted everything. They deleted everything. And I was like abiding by the terms. I had images censored and stuff. But they just out of nowhere deleted everything, including all my messages. Oh my which god! Had business stuff, you know. Oh. So it's like gone. And honestly, I was happy to be free of Facebook. Like, yeah, it's such a negative thing in the in the stream that I was like, whatever, that's fine. I'll just keep pushing Google Plus and and building up my Instagram. And then Facebook bought Instagram, and I was like, oh, son of a bitch. And then, <laughs> and then Google Plus folded, you know, from bad PR. And it's like, ultimately, what I have always 
focused on it. And I even went to like a few workshops by gallery owners talking about how you how you can be successful, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And one of one of the guys said, "You don't need a website." And I, and I, all I could think was like, "You are so wrong about that." Oh my god, you gosh. are so wrong about that. The yes. website is the only thing you can completely control. Right. You're paying for it. Well, you said this was a gallery website. owner, right? Sorry to interrupt, but right. And so he was trying like, to push oh. people to sell through the gallery. No, he was saying buy a domain and connect it to your Facebook. Oh, I see. And it was like no, because because Facebook owns yeah, what you, don't you have on that. there. You exactly. don't control it. They don't even let you. The people that voluntarily subscribe to see your stuff, they don't even let them see it. You know, they have to interact with you to see your stuff. Yeah, and that's and, a lot and, of control that's to crazy. give. So right now I've been using, so instead of like, again, instead of complaining about situations, I try to find how can I make it work, you know? And so for Instagram, which has constantly since Facebook bought it, been a major source of headache with images getting flagged and constantly getting shadow banned. Cause I've had like 20, I think 23,000 followers. I've had that for like two or three years now. Like I have zero growth on it now. Oh, I should be, I should be well over a hundred K, but because I'm constantly shadow banned and and deleted and stuff i just can't so what i've been doing is posting my work censored and saying go to my website to see it uncensored and yeah. surprisingly the traffic that that generates is is phenomenal that's like smart because it's like a teaser it. and yeah. so in in turn you end up i end up growing my google what do they call it engagement you know for the algorithm so my yeah. my website increases in search algorithm because i get so many hits to the site deeming it uh a successful site, you know, so that That's helps perfect. me as far as um, um, discoverability amongst Google. Well, so I'm also, taking, you know, I'm taking a lemonade and making lemon. I'm taking a lemon and making lemonade for sure, man. And you did say that you need to you the balance and and you need to get a little bit better with the business. But at the same time, that is very business minded. Like you understand, yeah. a lot of artists yeah. don't understand that it's it's all if, at least online. It's all about the algorithm. But yeah. I, I want to pause you real quick because we're going to get cut off here. Um, okay. Let's just take a quick break and, uh, and we'll right. come back. All right. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And we're back with the man who got a personal letter from Hugh Hefner. Rock and roll. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get back into all the algorithm talk, what was that all about? Yeah, man, Hugh Hefner. Like, I have a lot of respect for that dude. He, you know, back in the 60s, he was like putting um, racial equality on the map. uh, Yeah. in In the forefront of it. It's pretty awesome. But I, I studied about him a lot and everything he did for racism and equality and, and freedom of uh, censorship and expression and all that jazz. And he was a big comic cartoon lover. Oh, and, really? And he had, I also enjoyed this old pinup illustrator, George Petty, who inspired Alberto Vargas, who's the more known pinup artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and Petty did this pinup of a girl in a bunny costume. And that, Pinup inspired Hefner's Playboy Bunny, basically. Ah. As a child, Hefner, I think, was a teenager when he first saw it. Yeah, and, and it stuck in his mind. And so, as a fan of both of them, I did a body painting on a model in a bunny costume, basically painted bunny costume. 
and I sent that picture to Hef. Oh, awesome. And he responded, telling me what I already knew, was that he used to look at that picture on his wall as a child, and it basically inspired the Playboy Bunny. Oh, that's so cool, man. Yeah, that's pretty great. What a good story. Um, yeah, I know he gets a lot of uh, flack from the Me Too movement uh, people, and yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know all about that. I know there's. I know there's like a lot of people who completely 100 percent vouch for him and love him, and then there's the opposite side. But yeah. I guess that's pretty normal, right? There's yeah. Whenever there's any success, there's there's love and hate. You know. Yep. There's there. many sides to many stories, and knows what the truth is really but ultimately yeah. this guy did some amazing things in the face of major criticism and i respect him for that for sure. yeah no for sure um so i wanted to get back oh thank you for sharing that by the way um i wanted to get back to the algorithm talk we were we were just finishing it before we got cut off um it's one of those things where i think a lot of people uh don't understand getting into it like i get questions all the time from other artists from younger artists coming in. Oh, how do you sell art? How are you selling? Like, or like they just think if they go up on one of the art marketplaces that I'm on, they're going to have the same success. Right. And it's like, first of all, it's not just about the algorithm, right? You have to have a body of work. You have to be creating consistently. Mm -hmm. um, you have to be getting it out there, but then you have a chance to kind of uh, click into the, uh, the all knowing, all present algorithm so I'm wondering if uh, the Google, your whole thing with Google Plus, did that feed into your YouTube channel growth? I, I don't think so. Okay. Um, what happened was, so here's the thing. Um, with all the social media networks that I've been a part of, the only ones that gave me positive in-person results were Google Plus and YouTube. Hmm. Right? Facebook banned me. Instagram is continuously giving me problems. Yeah. I acknowledge that it's important to be a part of that. I haven't been a part of Facebook since 2014 or 2012 because they banned me and I'm just happy to be free of it. Yeah. And I, I probably would do better if I was on it, but I just, I'm going to just put all my energy in, in places that I feel like I, I'm welcome basically, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, Google plus brought me to, the headquarters of Google and I got to hang out with the vice president of Google at the time. And, and I just found out about a year ago, a little, almost a year ago that YouTube, if you have more than 10,000 subscribers gives you access to their production spaces, which yeah, I think I've there's something like, about that. I think there's like seven or eight in the world. There's one yes. in New York. There's one in LA. Oh, wow. There's one I think the, the DeLorean Austin. just went out past you. Yeah, <laughs> eighty-eight miles. We're going here. back to the future. Roads. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're going. We don't need algorithms. <laughs> but so, so I, I've had over ten thousand subscribers on YouTube for like years, and I didn't know this. And someone told that to me. And as like a frugal, scrambling artist that takes advantage of every little opportunity I can get. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And I investigated it real hard. And, and sure enough, you have 10,000 subscribers. You get you can get access to this space that gives you top-of-the-line equipment, huge production stages. Oh, wow. Like full editing suites with the top-of-the-line Apple equipment. Really? And it's all free. Oh, man. And do they have one in LA? Yeah, it's right in Playa, uh, Playa Vista. So oh, it's like Playa Vista. I used, to, I used to work there. It's like 20 minutes away from me. 
It's, yeah. it's like, are you kidding me? I could have been using this for the last four or five years and oh I just started God. using it the last year and I'm using it obsessively before it shut down for this virus. Now, can I ask you, do you use it primarily for the studios or do you use it for the equipment or, or both? Both. 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 Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I work, like my laptop is from 2010. Uh-huh. Everything, everything I own is like old school because I'm not, in, I'm not crazy about the whole cloud. Oh my God, man. Me neither. I don't, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. That's why I'm running out of space. I got to get a backup. Yeah. Hard and I'm resisting updating because that means I'll have to buy a new this. I'll have to buy a new that. I'll have to buy a new that. And it's, everything works fine with what I have. It's just slow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's frustrating to me that, that I'm being forced to update. But so anyways, I use their equipment, which is super, super duper fast. Oh, that's amazing. And I what still kind of software are they using for editing? I mean, I use, they have everything you, you can need, but I yeah. use final, I use final cut. Cut. Okay. I think most people use Adobe um, After Effects or Premiere. I can't remember which one. One of those. Yes. Um, My wife was a multimedia designer in Argentina. Uh, she hasn't done that now, but she kind of helped me learn a lot of stuff about it. She used to use um, After Effects. That was her. That was yeah. her jam back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow that, like, when I started video editing in 2000, uh, Final Cut I think was was bigger than. I don't even think After Effects was around. Maybe. Yeah. It definitely wasn't as big, but now After Effects has started taking the lead. I think because of the whole cloud setup and you have oh, okay. sort of easy access to it. Um, but I'm still kind of an old school Final Cut guy. Yeah, I've been using iMovie, and that's, oh, that's yeah. just it's that's good. just it's good. It's yeah, good. I like it. It's yeah. just something that um, I, I've been. It was using it on the phone, and then I, I decided to try it on the computer. I was like, oh, this has a lot more. <laughs> you know what though? And like in this day and age, like do you know David Dobrik? The, he's the YouTuber with like six kajillion followers. I know the name, but I haven't ever, yeah, I haven't ever followed him. He does all his editing himself on iMovie, you know? Oh, wow. It's like, if you can succeed with just iMovie, then why not just use iMovie? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And also like, it shows you that kind of, it's not just about the effects, but it's the the content, right? Right. It's not about production value. It's about content. Yeah. If you can improve your production value on already good content, that's great, but you don't need to. Yeah, you can have just a stupid little cell phone video make yep. you lots of money if you do it right. That's so true. Um, and I wanted to talk, because since we're talking about YouTube and all that, you had, I, I think I watched your very first uh, video that went viral on YouTube. I think it was the Supergirl one. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah. yeah so that. <laughs> that was how, crazy. I remember that's a cool video. Time. When that first was going viral, I was just like standing there watching on my on my email or phone or something. I was in an art show in New York City. It was mm-hmm. a, an armory art show. It was a major art fair show. And I was just standing there like, whoa, it just broke 300,000. It just broke <laughs> 350,000. You know, and it was like mind-blowing to have that. That's so cool. Do you think, was there, um, was it just the content and um, the quality of what you were doing, the body painting and obviously the the model and all that? Or do you think... Was there something else you were doing in addition to that? I'm trying to basically give some yeah. oh, uh, well, YouTubers you, coming up. Yeah. I can tell you the roadmap. I can tell okay. you the roadmap to success if you want it. <laughs> tell us the roadmap. Teach All right, us. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this goes along with a lot of what we've been saying, because there's no easy way to succeed. right? Of course. Either of course. Way. You can get lucky. There's always exceptions to every rule. Right. But I can tell you what I did, and it may or may not work for you because it's dependent on your content. Of course. Like nobody has the same roadmap. Right, right. So this video, this video I think succeeded mostly because of the nudity. 
and, and just the model is amazing. You know, yeah. what I, what I painted on here is very cool too, but I think first and foremost, people came to the video to see the model. Um, okay. Now what I've discovered over the years is Reddit. Have you ever used Reddit? I know I, I hear everybody talking about it and I'm like, and, I should probably get on this. And that's what everybody says when I say that. <laughs> and let me <laughs> tell you right now, if you can master Reddit, uh -huh. if you really fully understand Reddit, you will benefit greatly from that more than almost anything else. Okay. You, interesting. You could, you'll spend like three years building up a following on Instagram to finally make a post that gets you a thousand likes. Yeah. Right? Or you can make a post on Reddit that gets a million views in eight hours, you know, oh, 10, wow. 24 hours with zero um, work done beforehand. Are That's crazy. That? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. No, right, I... So, so this, this is the thing. Reddit is like so ugly. <laughs> the design of it is so ugly, <laughs> intimidating to people. The people on there are hardcore critics, man. You're going to get a lot of hate if, if, if you if you're trying to promote anything, you're you're not going to make it. It's all about authenticity and, and being genuine. And yeah, like I put my work out there and I don't hide behind it. And they call it the front page of the internet. And the reason they do that is because someone will post something on there, all the users will either upvote or downvote it. And when when any when something gets upvoted to the max, it ends up on the front page of Reddit. And anything on the front page of Reddit is viral content. It's, okay. proven, it's basically proven by the masses that they consume it in a viral way. So now bloggers and everybody whose job it is to put work out that's viral and they make money from it, they just harvest content from Reddit. Huh, interesting. They just pick and pull stuff that fits whatever they need and then they put it on their blog. So you get something to, to blow up on Reddit which will generate thousands and thousands of views in an instant and then a blogger, if the right blogger picks it out and shares it, then dozens of bloggers beyond that person, it's like a pyramid scheme almost, you know? Yeah. It spreads and it just ends up everywhere and it becomes viral. And then you get all these um, international companies that want to license your content and sell it to various outlets. That's crazy. So, and how does that translate into like your YouTube channel, for example? Well, so if, if your content is a YouTube video, um, people, if they like the content, will subscribe to you. Yeah. And, and again, here we go with your content needs to be good. If it's something that someone's going to say, Oh, wait, sorry, oh, sorry. Like though, but, but what is the, but what does Reddit specifically have to do with the, the YouTube? Well, you, you can, you can put your YouTube link in Reddit. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. You, could, okay. you could put a picture in Reddit. In some cases you could put your website on Reddit. Yeah. And what's, what's, what's difficult is every, so every Reddit, Reddit is the site and every, the site has many subreddits, which are all different categories of things. Video, funny GIFs, um, I don't know, coronavirus, President right. Trump, you know, all sorts of categories. And you have to click on whichever category you want. And it's, each one is its own individual communi community with its own rules. And for the most part, everybody hates self-promotion and they hate spam. And so most of the time... Oh my God, you got a whatever you, going on back there. Most of the time, whatever you post will get downvoted into oblivion and nobody will ever see it. Yeah. But if you, if you really begin to understand how things work and what, what people like to see or how they like to see it and produce your content in a way that will work on Reddit, it'll get up, upvoted and uh, 
it'll just explode. And then everything grows from there. But then at the same time, you know, this, here we go with like talking about business, right? Yeah. Social media business, everything you have after it explodes needs to be in line to benefit from the explosion. Yes. And so it's, it's a lot of work. It's, it's almost like the artist who becomes, you know, yeah. uh, famous for a signature style, then they expect you to keep creating that signature style over right. and over again, you know? Right. But you would say ma- mainly just the quality needs to be. Uh, yeah. And then you also get stuck in the whole psychological game where like, well, they like this, so I have to do that again. And then, and then it's just not as good the second time you do it or whatever. You, you're getting in your own head too much. And you yeah. So like the best advice I could ever have for anybody is like, just produce your work the way you do it. Yeah. The reason they liked it the first time is because you're honest and genuine about how you did something. Just, just do that. Sure. Don't try to like, like top it or whatever, you know, just, just do what you do best, you know, and put it out there and some will work, some won't work, but be ready for when it works because you don't want to win big, but have nothing to benefit from. from it. Exactly. I, I think that's good advice in general for artists yeah. because like for me, um, I just started growing my body work. And once I started actually getting into social media, I'd already had like, now I have like 900 paintings, you know, I mean, I've sold a bunch of those at this point, but I, I still have a huge body of work. that's just, you know, chilling out, waiting for somebody to buy it. And I can always fall back on that. And yeah. I just put it out there and I don't really care where it it's like, okay, I did this. It's out there. I don't, I, it'll have a life of its own or it won't. It kind of sounds like that's a similar, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're all, we're all learning, like all of us exploring yeah. artists, we explore and we try to find, hopefully you're challenging yourself, you know, you're not just doing the same thing over and over again. Which is exactly. Yeah, you know, exactly. And, and you're not going to succeed every time. It's just, it's impossible. So but, yeah, like you can't fault me for putting everything out there for everyone to see no. whether or not it's good or bad. You know, I'm trying to put something out there and that's where, you know, you get hate when something is not up to par. It's like, whatever, at least I put it out there. What did you do? You know? Yeah. It's like the whole <laughs> Brene Brown, uh, yeah. Teddy Roosevelt thing of being in the arena. You know, it's yeah. very easy to critique if you're not putting yourself out there. Right. Yeah. I and mean, I have critiques sometimes like, Oh, you missed a spot on, on the elbow or on the butt crack. Like, Are you serious? <laughs> Are you missing, you're missing the whole landscape. You know, you're looking yeah. at one little piece of sand. Like look at the whole thing. Enjoy it. There's yeah. a girl roller skating naked on the strand and you're complaining about a little chip of paint. Well, yeah, <laughs> right. Well, that person's going to complain about anything. Right. These are the people who write Yelp reviews, you know, yeah, for yeah. a restaurant. <laughs> so you got to just tune those out. I would say if, yeah. if like 90% of your comments are that way, then maybe you got to look at it. But the, those few well, stragglers. You never know. You just got to follow your heart. You got to follow your heart against all, against everything, I think. Yeah. If, if it feels right to you, do it. As long as nobody's getting hurt. You know? Well, and I think anybody who's kind of chosen art as a career or as a path, um, they've already, they've already kind of signed up for that. Right. Yeah. Because and then also like negative going to tell you that you shouldn't do it. Right. And then negativity is a sign of success in a way. The oh hate, yeah. The haters. You're doing something right. I so, said the same thing on a previous podcast. Yeah. If you don't have any haters, then, you know, you're maybe not doing something right. Or yeah. you, have, you haven't made it yet. You need, yeah. you're getting attention if you're getting haters. Right. Um, but that's so, one way. So Reddit is one, it's one way. You know? Okay. But it's, it's a very, very strong way when it hits. It's hard to get it to hit. I mean, I've seen a lot of people that use Reddit frequently that have never been on the front page of Reddit. Mm-hmm. And I, I've done it. I've done it three times in one day. Oh past, wow! You know, and uh, it's and a part of it is just uh, just my content. You know, it just works. Sure. Um, you know, I think 
I think like a, a painting of flowers won't work as well unless it's like just phenomenally, phenomenally available to reach people in the right mental circuit that it allows them to be like, whoa, I love this so much. I want to share this with all my friends. You know what I mean? Yeah, almost like a, they're a very different or unique take on the flowers that nobody's seen before. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's a weird thing that you can't really control. What what actually connects with the masses? No matter how, you, you can have an idea of what can work better than other things, but for the most part, there is a, there is an aesthetic that is hard to pinpoint that the world just eats up. Yeah. You know? And I think that kills creativity too. If you're pre-planning something, yeah, if you're like, if you're Oh, I'm going to make this viral. Well, no, right, just right. do it first. And if it does yeah. that, that's a healthy byproduct of something yeah. good that you've created. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the body paint things that tend to go most viral are things that I don't necessarily enjoy painting. You know? hmm, interesting. And so I always look at it like, all right, well, painted clothes or camouflage body painting, like that stuff almost always goes viral no matter how good a quality it is. So how can I do this better than I've ever seen it done or put a spin on it that makes me enjoy doing it, you know? Yeah. Uh, like like the roller skates on the beach. You know, that was that's fun to me. It's so cool to showcase this gal's ability to skate, which is incredible. You know? Oh, it's awesome. And, and how did go, you film that, by the way? GoPro. <laughs> GoPro, okay. <laughs> but were you on a skateboard? Were you I was on, on a skateboard. Bike? Yeah, I was okay. on a skateboard behind her. Nice which uh, I'd never done. I'd never actually filmed while skateboarding. Yeah, that's uh, got to so be a little dangerous. Got to go for it. Got to go for it. I was a little <laughs> nervous. I was a little nervous about that because like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to wipe out and smash my camera because I also had my uh, my DSLR camera around my around my neck because I was also taking photos. Oh, wow. I, was, like, I didn't want to damage my camera. Multitasking. So I, had my, I had my GoPro in one hand and I was like skating around and I'm definitely not a pro at that. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool yeah i saw one there's one part at the end of the video where your head peeks in and you kind of yeah. like wave at the audience yeah. and i was like oh i think you might be skateboarding so yeah, yeah. that's cool yeah. um okay well we can move on unless there's some other tidbits yeah, you want to give about um, that, that one's the big one that one's i think reddit has, has given me a lot of uh exposure interesting and, and is reddit is it a lot of um is it videos or is it just a lot of different kinds everything. of content? Okay. Everything you can imagine. And, but you have to understand the rules of every community and know what you can post, what you can't post. I get like, I've been, I've had posts removed so many times on that site because of some stupid little mistake, you know, that I made and it's, and it's a headache, it's a headache, but you got to just do it right. Respect the rules and, and be authentic and hopefully you'll get one to, to blow up. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Um, I yeah, I keep hearing Reddit, Reddit, Reddit. I always thought it was like this old school thing that was dying, and and but I keep hearing people talking about it, and I'm like, okay, I have to. You've solidified that for me. I'm going to check yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, at, just you know, as if I need another platform to learn. I know right? it's a it's a headache. It's a headache, <laughs> but, but you got to do it sometimes. But that one is worth it if you can figure it out. It's it's really daunting and difficult, but it's worth it when you figure it out. Okay, cool. Um, awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. That definitely enlightened me uh, to something I wasn't uh, aware of before. Um, so did you, I was interested, is your photography an extension of the body painting or is, is the body painting an extension of the photography? Well, I, um, I don't know. That's a tough question. Or neither. I, I am, I'm a very lazy artist. I work my butt off, but I like getting to results as quick as possible. 
Yeah. So to me, like body painting takes on average three hours to paint someone. Okay. And then I get to the result of the body painting where a photograph is like, click the button, bam, there's my result. Click right. the button, bam, okay, now I can fix this, click the result, bam, and I can take a hundred pictures yeah. now in no time. So I love photography. I love the challenge of photography. I love going out and exploring things and trying to capture something cool where body painting is like, you know, it's taxing. And then painting like you do, which you could, you could potentially spend weeks on a painting if you wanted to, you know? Oh yeah. Like, I can't Especially do that. the surrealist stuff. Yeah. I cannot do that. That would, that would drive me crazy. I get so bored. I don't have the patience for it. I guess I should say I'm impatient, not lazy. I'm an impatient artist. And yeah. And so I, I would love to just be able to take pictures, to just be a photographer, but I'm obsessed with body painting. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. for my work, what is generally seen other than YouTube, because just in the last year or so, I've started to take YouTube a lot more serious because of, of the studio that has been offered to me. Um, photography has been my main way to showcase the body painting. And right, that, and that's why I was asking, yeah. Right, and that photo itself is the artwork because the body painting existed at one point and is no longer there. So the photo is the artwork now. You know? Yes. So, so in a way, body painting is an extension of the photo. Right. So you started um, uh, photography first then, is that correct? Well, I, I played with photography in college a little bit. I, I definitely took pictures of, of my caricatures when I was a caricature artist, but it was always like a hobby. And then I started body painting. I worked with various photographers to document it. But then I found that like only a smaller percent of the photographers were really there to, to capture the work. The others were kind of perverts, you know? Yeah, right. And then, and then for the most part, nobody could really express what I was picturing in my head photographically. Then I was like, I'm just going to get a camera and start doing it myself. And yeah, just do it myself, yeah. And it's become a really great challenge exploration that I love a lot. I just love taking pictures. That's so cool. And your, um, your photography books, uh, I don't own one. I haven't seen one in person, but they're pretty much, um, your photographs of your body painting, correct? Yeah. Okay. The first book I think has maybe 5% of other people's photographs. The second book is all my photos. Nice. That's awesome. For the most part, part, it's like 98% my photography, the whole collection. Well, cool. So, we can talk forever about these things, but I want to, I want to get a couple quick things. I, I always ask people about their origin story, um, but I feel like we've gotten a little bit of that from you. Do you is, yeah. If there's anything we've left out, feel free to fill us in on an origin story really quickly. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I've explained that many times in many interviews. I mean, I just, I've always been an illustrator. I've always been fascinated with people. And I, I did my first body painting for a magazine that I was doing editorial illustrations for. And I just uh, expressed a curiosity to paint a model for one of their photo spreads. And they said, yes. And, and I did it and completely fell in love with it. Nice. And I, I have been hooked ever since 2005, you know, and, and I learned that I just don't like drawing as much as I like body painting. Yeah. My whole life was all about drawing. And now it's like, and it, it goes hand in hand with that impatient nature of like, I struggled spending 18 hours on a drawing. It would just, drive me crazy and then this body paint you have to finish it yeah you know, with, within five hours you can't just set the model aside and say i'll, I'll paint the rest next week it's like a healthy constraint and um, I, I love it i love that well can i uh, pause real quick it's funny because i i'm always drawn to other artists who have had who've made kind of a transition from different mediums i'm also that way i don't know if you know my old stuff but um 
like like you, I'm kind of impatient, but I I spent the first 12, 13 uh, years of my career doing these really detailed pop surrealist pieces. And sometimes I would spend like 15, 16 hours straight working on them. Um, and you just go crazy. And I found out that I was kind of like an abstract artist at heart. So mm-hmm. to answer your question a little earlier, I'm actually, I'm also impatient too. And yeah. the, the abstract is a, is a nice way to kind of get a lot of that emotion that I was going for in the pop and out into a canvas. And I can do it sometimes in two, three hours, like you're, like you're doing with body painting. So I, I completely understand and align with that. Yeah. And I, I think I've heard many people say that, you know, it, it's all about the process. It's all about the journey. Yes. Not the result, you know, but for me, like creating art to me is more about the result than the, <laughs> than the journey. But I do love my experiences, you know, with the models, the one-on-one uh, dialogues that we have as I'm painting and then going out and shooting in public. Like that's a lot of fun, of course, but the result for me is like all that gets packaged into it. Yeah. And I remember on another podcast, you talked about how, how you hear the music that you were listening to when you look at a painting that you painted. Definitely. Like, so it's like the same thing for me with conversations and moods. And, and when I look at one of my older works, all of that comes flooding back. And for me, the result, it's weird. I just think everybody's different. And so when you hear statements that are so definitive like that, it's not always right. true. It's not always true. Like everything varies. Everybody varies. And uh, for me, like I'm just I'm so into the results and I prefer to like the results than, than hate them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's good to hear you say that because um, I think a lot of artists coming up, they feel like they heard something from one artist and they go, well, I have to be this way. And there right. is no one way to do anything. I think um, to kind of piggyback on what you said with um, the it not being about the journey, about being about the result you like that more for me it's more about little flashes of moments it's about the result for me too but i have little moments within the creative process where it's like oh you know what i mean and 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 where i feel like i'm really in a flow state and i'm aligned but the rest of it for me um those moments are amazing and and you you never can plan those but i i also kind of gravitate towards the result as well yeah um so that's two that's it's 150 to two. We're we're on the losing side. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, ours ours are the only ones that matter. I'm pretty sure there's more people out there like this. There's people we, that are, we can do this. We can let's do this. Go team. Yeah, exactly. Let's start. <laughs> let's start the recruiting process. Um, okay, so I'm going to move on quickly to. Uh, do you have like a a secret weapon? Something that like if you're not in the in the maybe you're just always in that state of wanting to create, but when you have one of those periods where you're self-doubting or or maybe you just don't have the energy how do you get yourself creating um what's something that you do that well, works yeah i mean i've i've thought about this recently because i remember back when i was illustrating i would have blocks when i was mm-hmm. doing comics i would have blocks and i haven't had a creative block in a long time yeah body paint. Like, i don't i don't get that very often sometimes like sometimes i'll have something just inspiring pop up in my head and i have to paint it and happens and then other times like i'll schedule a photo shoot and i'll have nothing planned until Mm -hmm. a minute before i start painting you know and i'll sit there and ask the model what should we paint i don't know just (laughs) just work on on it together and i don't know i've i've become really lax with that and i i don't sweat it too much i don't have any issues with that anymore but what i can get into is burnout Mm -hmm. you know and, and I find, you know, I make all my money with body painting. So it, it's like a 
commercial job, usually the things that kill me are when I'm painting for other people, their concepts. And that right. gets kind of tiresome after a while, but I get good money for that. So it's like finding that balance. And maybe I'll be making a lot of commissions at one point and I said, I need to do something creative for myself uh, immediately, you know, to, yeah. to just, just feel good. And so then. Yeah, like I'll, a palate cleanser. Yeah. So I have like different avenues that I could go. And I remember back when I uh, was doing comics, one thing, you know, traditional artists could try is, uh, especially if your drawings are just turning out really bad, um, for, like you're having an off day, you know, mm -hmm. uh, dry, just draw with your opposite hand. Just challenge yourself to change hands. And just, oh, yeah. Just explore. Just have fun with that. And that's, that becomes almost like a warm-up, and it loosens you up, and things start popping up that become inspiring and, and opens your mind a little bit. That's or, interesting. Uh, you know, just you just have to kind of like work your body back into motion a little bit. Well, I think that's kind of what you're doing when you're scheduling a shoot and you don't really know what you're going to do. It's like right. you've got something in place and you yeah. know, you trust yourself at this point that when you get there, inspiration is going to come. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do the same thing. Uh, and also kind of similar to what you're saying with switching hands. A lot of times it's just about like, okay, I've done a bunch of these. I got bored with this. Now, you know what? I just... I'm going to try this little tiny, I started doing these little micro paintings on these, you know, antique little frames that I'd find in antique stores. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And it just completely opened up a whole new window to me. And I yeah. got so many ideas for bigger paintings doing that. It's kind of your, totally. your switching hands thing kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like, let's just do something fun and see what comes up, comes of it. You know? Right. I think, I think that's always a good thing. If you're like really struggling in the moment over something, just like take a break from it. Yes. Do something else. You can apply your creativity to anything. So just like try something fun. I completely agree. Um, okay. So I'm going to ask you about a, a failure that you've had. And if you've learned something from it, could be a biggest failure. Could be any <laughs> failure. <laughs> I don't like thinking about my failures. So <laughs> you don't I mean, have to. I've had, I've had you can tons say and pass. tons and tons and tons of failures. But um, the one that always comes to mind first was just like a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I had a shoot scheduled four hours from where I lived, and so I, did, I drove there. And about three hours in the drive, my um, the ball bearing on my front left tire went, and my tire started screeching loud, crazy. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh my but god. I, could, I could still drive, but it was just awful. Yeah. And and so I was like, "Oh, what do I do? Do I pull over and?" call it a day and i was like no i'm just gonna i'm gonna get there with this loud car leave it with a mechanic to work on it while i'm working and then um pick it up and hopefully it'll be done when i'm done and i'll go home and right fine. and so i get there i drive around this city in new hampshire and it was like a it was like a sunday and everything was closed so i couldn't find a mechanic so i just drove to the to the client and parked the car and figured i'll deal with it after this let me just get the work done and uh, show up, but of course I have like, I'm distracted now. Maybe yeah, I'm totally distracted. And I show up in the basement where I'm supposed to paint this male model, and <clears throat> the basement is a photographic studio and it has all this super expensive gear. And the male model's laying on the cement ground. And I recommend like we should I should paint him outside because I don't want all the cooling fans on this gear to to suck in paint. Yeah. So, so the male mouse like, oh, I, I can't go outside. I have this weird thing with temperature and I don't want to be out in the sun. I, that's why I'm laying on the ground now. It keeps me cool. Like, okay. I don't know. Um, 
well, let's go somewhere else in the house that I could paint, maybe the kitchen or something. And so we go to the kitchen. I've got this weird thing with kitchens. <laughs> <laughs> we go to the kitchen, and um, I didn't really pay attention to anything else. And I, I, for no reason other than being distracted, did not put my fan against an open window that would suck out any overspray. Oh, man. Usually, usually I would do that. But I was yeah. just like, whatever, we're in the kitchen. This is an easily cleanable area. Yeah. And, uh, and I just started painting this guy, and I'm, I was base coating him entirely in red. And uh, I was using a new brand of makeup that I'd never used before. And I just finished painting the whole body, and the photographer comes walking up and freaks out. He's like, oh, my God, there's red paint everywhere. Oh, my God. And then he, he like takes his finger, and he's in another room. He's in another room. He takes his finger against the wall and swipes it against the wall. He pulls his finger off, and his whole finger's red. Oh my god! Like, my heart sank. You know, I was oh, like, no. "Oh my god!" I like dropped to the ground. Like, oh my god! This like this is all my fault completely. Like I totally blew it here. And he turned out to be this guy. Turned out to be a total clean freak. Oh my god! And so, like, he kind of got really angry, and all his cameras were on the dining room table, which I didn't see at first, and they were all covered in this light dust of oh my makeup. god man <laughs> but really it's all it's all just dust and so like right like you could have just dusted it all up not that that's any better but <clears throat> but if you wipe it with a wet paper towel it smears the red everywhere you know yes so it's complicated but it, it's it seemed like it was just everywhere <laughs> oh my god man and i was just like heart sank feeling awful and and so I'm like, well, and, and ultimately the guy was just like, I can't shoot. I can't shoot in this, in this state. Well, we just got to stop. Just, just clean, clean it off and go home. And I was like, well, I don't want him to shower in your bathroom because I was like, this guy's clean freak and it's going to leave red all over the shower. Yeah. So, so I ended up hosing off the guy in his backyard and, oh, and then no. came and said, how can I help clean? How can I help clean? And he's, and I was like, but you got to tell me everything you want me to do because I don't want to do anything. And he's like, you want to just go home. And of course I was like, thank God, you know, just go home. <laughs> and I, I said, I'll pay for whatever you know, cleaning bill you have. And I just felt horrible. Oh, so, man. Then, so then I got back in my car and started driving away with a bad tire. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't make it. I didn't make it like 20 minutes and I pulled over on the highway and called a tow truck and had to be towed four hours home. And oh. I missed, I missed another gig that I had that night and uh, lost a lot of money. The cleaning bill ended up being like $150. It was no big deal, but it was just all in all, it was a total absolute failure. <laughs> oh man. That's a, that's a nightmare day. You know, you hear of like the actor's nightmare. That's yeah. like the body painter's nightmare. Yeah. It was not good. It was not Holy good. shit. <laughs> I I almost I don't even want to ask you what you learned from it because um, um, that's one of those just kind of like throwaway days. Yeah, yeah. There's I feel like there was not much. I mean, I could put the fan, and who knows how much the fan would have even helped. But it's like it was just meant to be a total disaster. Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe easy to, maybe easy to it, laugh now, right? Maybe it's just humbling. It's just a humbling experience. Sure. Yeah. Maybe definitely. it helped me. Maybe it helped me not become arrogant. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Or take like certain precautions in different yeah, uh, shoots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, man. Well, thanks for sharing that one. That one's, uh, <laughs> it's funny now, but I'm sure it was horrible in the moment. Yeah. Oh my God. It was the worst day ever. <sighs> one of the worst days ever. <laughs> well, 
If you can believe we are running out of time again, I wanted to ask you your opinion. Do you want, I've got, I've got some great stories I can ask you about uh, three or four. Um, yeah, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Okay, cool. Yeah. So let's take another quick pause and I'll, I'll get back to you. Okay. All right. If you're still with us, we are back for round three here. Um, <laughs> with Paul Rustan. Um, so I wanted to highlight, you've got so many cool stories um, and interesting things that have happened to you uh, in your 15 year plus career of painting, uh, body painting. Um, that's why don't we talk about the pregnant belly one? That kind of piqued pregnant my belly. interest. Yeah. And it was, I think it was around 2007. Um, okay. I became really aware. Uh, I, I hadn't painted a pregnant belly yet. And I'd seen all these photos online of pregnant bellies and they're all, they're all really beautiful and, you know, like wearing, wearing fabrics and just looking really pleasant and, and beautiful. You know, and I was like, but to me, pregnancy is a little freaky. <laughs> you and it's me both. weird there's this just weird creature inside the <laughs> belly eating up all your food and, yeah you know and it's like i want to paint something that's kind of creepy sucking out your life force <laughs> so i had this very dark image in mind where the belly was just a giant scary looking eyeball nice and I, want, I wanted the whole thing to be kind of dark and, and weird you know which is how it made me feel yeah actually you know and so so the big challenge was like, all right, where where can I find a pregnant model who's going to let me paint something scary and dark like <laughs> on their on their beautiful baby bump, you know? Right. And I found a model who was totally down. And I think I put out a casting call maybe to, to find this model. Oh, that's smart. No, but um, was this was this Craigslist? Uh, model Mayhem. Oh, the, Model Mayhem. Um, yeah, which is a great uh, place. Which, which is a little I, better than it's Craigslist. different than it used to be. Um, now it's a little bit weirder i guess i haven't used it in years but uh back then it was a lot more professional okay and uh <clears throat> and so this late this gal who lived six hours away was willing to do it and, and obviously working with pregnant models you got you have to be understanding of their current state and so you have yeah. to be very flexible for them you know and make adjustments to, to help their comfort Sure. And so I was like, I'm not going to make her. Well, and can I ask how far along was she? Do you know? She was like ready to pop. She oh, was, wow. Like, okay. <laughs> eight, eight and a half months. Like, oh, man. Full, like she could have blown up right there. And uh, so I took my, my favorite photographer with me, Max, Max Prophet, Max Trombley. And we hopped in my car and we drove six hours to Syracuse, New York. And I we came to the house first time I'm meeting her and her husband and her baby bump, and I just started painting. I just went at it for, I think it was probably two hours tops, maybe an hour and a half, because I just painted her belly and her chest and her thighs. Yeah. And, and took a cropped photo of, of this scary-looking eyeball. And it was cool because like, as I'm painting this photorealistic eyeball, the baby was moving, and it made the eyeball look like it was moving. Oh, nice. <laughs> it was so trippy. And I was I was kind of tired from the drive. Very so David Lynch. It was super surreal. The whole experience was surreal. And, and I, we took pictures and hopped back in the car and drove right back home. So it was like a long day. And yeah. ever, ever since then, I've had multiple people copy that. Copy oh, really? Piece, yeah, and put it out there. And it's never really bothered me. They don't, they don't get your permission? No, they didn't. But one, one at least one predominant uh, body painter copied and at least gave me credit on it. Oh, okay. She has like millions of followers and she's done, she's actually made money um, using the same 
the same body paint, which is a little weird, but yeah, you should um, be getting a percentage of that. It's weird. Yeah. Cause that was like fully genuinely inspired by my mind and I put it out there. You know, copy off of it. Yeah. That's a tricky thing in the arts. Since then I've had two, two babies and, and now it's more of a beautiful thing. And I've painted a lot of beautiful pregnant bellies too. <laughs> freaky. But at that time it was a, a really freakish thing to me. Oh my God. <laughs> I would be scared. Like I would be scared that the paint was going to somehow like seep in through the skin. Right, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I was very considerate of that. I only used makeup. You know? Oh, okay. That's cool. Oh, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah. And for uh, to those of you out there who are stealing Paul Rustan's, uh, uh, mental license you know uh <laughs> give him a shout out at least come on yeah credit him credit, some money credit people you're inspired by it's good it's good etiquette and it's good karma too yeah um okay so we'll move on you had a story about a caboose Caboose. this one is so crazy <laughs> <laughs> I've, i'm painting i painted two models in the desert in joshua tree okay um, actually, Morongo Valley. That it was love, love Joshua Tree. Yeah. It was a barn in Morongo Valley, just next to Joshua Tree, and and um, one of them is one of my favorite models, Silva, who's this amazing hat maker. You can find all her headpieces at bubblesandfrown.etsy.com. They're incredible headpieces. Nice. And so, her and her friend, who is also a head maker, Miss G Designs, created, um, and I think hers is MissGDesigns.com. I could be wrong about that. But okay. one one of them made an elephant. Or just head. Google Miss G designs. Miss G made an elephant head for Silva, and Silva made a lion head for a male model. And I painted the two models to to complement the head pieces. And awesome. as I'm painting, as I'm painting Silva, I was like, you know, this would be so cool because it was kind of like a circus. It would be so cool if we could just find a caboose. And, and shoot it at the caboose. <laughs> and so in, while I'm painting, we're like kind of trying to search for a caboose. Someone locally, bring me a caboose. Locally in the desert where they, like you walk outside and there's no one, you know? Yeah, like, right, no exactly. One. And, and uh, uh, the outlook was grim that we were going to find a caboose, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so between painting the two of them, I took a small break, went outside, had a little drink of water, and there was this guy doing landscaping in in the desert on this barn property. Okay. And I was like, Hey, how's it going? And we just had a small conversation. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I'm painting right now. I'm doing a body painting, I'm painting two people to look like circus animals. And, uh, and I was like, you know, it'd be really cool. We're trying to find a caboose and uh, do a photo shoot there. And he's like, Oh, really? I have a caboose. <laughs> you could use was, it if you want. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about that. You need a caboose, son. Wow. I got a caboose. <laughs> one one person has it, just randomly has a caboose. Oh my so, god! So the three of us, the the two models and I, hop in our car and we follow him in his car. Everything's done. We, the guy was willing to wait for us, and we follow him to his like scary ranch. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was picturing. <laughs> like the entranceway was was a super windy rock tight small road that you can't easily back out of. Uh-huh. I was like, boy, our escape route here is is slim. Yeah, he could and, cook us up and eat us here. And there was just like junk everywhere. Cool junk. Like I could do a million photo shoots there. Yeah. Including an an old abandoned caboose. <laughs> I was just like God. 
this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. <laughs> and we did the shot and it was super, it was super bizarre, but we did it. We got the shot and we left and now we keep looking. But that was an experience. Oh my God, man. That's like a level beyond serendipity. I don't even know what to call that, you know? <laughs> Holy shit. I love it. I love it. Um, asking you shall receive right that's what yeah you're saying. Just yeah that's so true <laughs> oh my god i got a caboose right here because my um, normal state to it my normal state as an introvert is to not talk about what i'm doing because then people ask me too many questions yeah you know, like so what do you do oh i'm a photographer and that's what i leave it at you know like, oh what yeah yeah exactly because when i say body painting like oh really tell me about this and, and then it goes on and on and sometimes i just don't want to talk i just want to just want to chill yeah, for sure. But for some reason, I, I told this guy, oh, I'm painting two people. We're looking for a caboose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And, and in that area, too, that's just, I know. That's just perfect. It's bizarre. So bizarre. You, that should be, there should be a movie made at this guy's place. Oh, totally. I guess they, they work with Hollywood a little bit. I wish I could remember the names off the top of my head. Oh, that makes sense. Pro- yeah, it's probably like old Oliver Stone stuff. I, I could yeah. see like Natural Born Killers being yeah. using oh, totally. some of that. Totally. Yeah, yeah. maybe it those, was. Like those two guys, Mickey and Mallory, <laughs> live, they live on that property exactly. for sure. <laughs> That's where they are. In, yeah, if they, if they wait, I'm forgetting. No, they don't survive, right? If they survived. Oh, no, they do survive. This is where they retired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Spoiler alert for Natural Born Killers if you haven't just, seen just it. Just like swap it a little bit as, as they're two brothers. They're two, <laughs> two brothers, which yeah, makes exactly. it even creepier. I can see the trailer for two brothers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, that's awesome. Well, I know you wanted to uh, talk about a little bit about this um, neon retro arcade. In yeah, Pasadena. so this is kind of cool. This again, this goes with asking you shall receive a little bit. So I've had the luxury of you know, producing all my work all these years and then just over time, people volunteering their, their properties and stuff for me to use. Yeah. And, and in some cases, just really extravagant locations, you know, places that I would most likely never get asking outright or without paying a fortune to use. Yeah, you couldn't afford to, right. It's just like fans of my work that let me use their spaces, which I am like so grateful for, you know. And, and the Neon Retro Arcade, like I'm a big 80s, nostalgic maniac i love the 80s yeah me too and there's this arcade in pasadena neon retro arcade and it's all old school video games and you pay you pay a cover charge you go and you can play to your heart's desire for like an hour why do i not know about this place i gotta go here it's so cool it's so cool and so when i first learned of it i went there and i was like oh my god i would i would die to do a photo shoot in here yeah someday and I've just been like supporting him. Like when the first time I went, I, I took video and, and posted it on my story and shared the location. And then one time I painted at, at the Pasadena Convention Center and I brought the model there afterward. We had some time to kill. I brought the model there afterwards and I took a couple quick shots while I was in there of her playing Tron or something. And, nice. and I, I, virtually, I virtually built up this relationship with uh, with Mia, Mark and Mia are the owners, and I believe I was talking to Mia on social media, and and we just had like this really subtle, like small. Really, it wasn't like we were best friends or anything, but I was just I was just like I love Neon Retro Arcade, it's so cool. Um, thank you for doing this. It's, it's 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 a cool story because they're just a husband and a wife that have the same nostalgic love for the '80s that I do. Oh yeah, and they opened up this retro arcade, and it's a That's small so business. Awesome. It's a small, awesome business, and I appreciate that. And they ended up being fans of my work, and they appreciate, appreciated my work, and they offered to let me use their space. If you want to do a shoot here, feel free to do it. I'm like, 
I uh, would die too. Yeah. <laughs> and like, as soon as they offered that within like a, like a few weeks, I scheduled it and we did it. And I came and I, I painted two models with black lights and brought them there with black lights and lit it up and photographed it. And I actually have posters of that print available on my website as well. Oh, but, awesome. But I, I really want to shout them out because I love, I love stories like that of people just sort of following their dreams and making it a reality. And <clears throat> obviously they're struggling a little bit now with, with uh, businesses having to close down because of the virus. And I, yeah. I want to spread the Especially word. Especially with a bunch of kids touching stuff. Oh, you know? yeah. yeah. But I just like, uh, I think everything's going to be great when everything opens up. And obviously they're going to be super sanitary and all that jazz. Yeah. Like, like you said, you didn't know about it. I want everybody to know about this. You honestly so just cool. gave them two so customers. Cool. My wife and I are huge 80s people. Like, it's we just gonna be cool. Yeah, they, we're going to go. They do so much for their community. They have great, like, family events. They have, like, you know, Father's Day. Father brings their kids in, and the, and the father gets to go in for free. And they, they give you, like, like, I remember one Father's Day, they gave you free old school rad buttons that say rad dad. Oh yeah. It's just fun. It's just, oh, I love it. and I would hate to see this virus kill their business. Me too, man. It's a good, it's a good thing. And I, so, I told them that I want to promote them as much as I can. Especially yeah. Say their name one more time. Mark and Mia at Neon Retro Arcade in Pasadena. They also have another North, uh, location in Northridge. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. So great. Yeah. Well, that's actually even, I, I would never have thought this in the past, but that's actually closer to us. We might go. I don't to know that what one. the status is right now when they're reopening, but I imagine sometime soon they should be reopening. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of rolling out pretty quickly. So they're on uh, and they're on Instagram at Neon Retro Arcade. They um, and in the in the meantime, in the interim, uh, Mark has been doing um, has been playing the games. Oh really? On video and sharing the videos. He's got like the high score on every single it's one. Really, it's really cool. It's really cool. <laughs> That's funny. We just watched the Seinfeld episode where George rediscovers his old Frogger machine, and he's got the he still has the high score on there. I love it. I, I, <laughs> I used to I used to live on those things. I love the oh, old yeah. arcades, man. What you could do with one token. Yes. Well, <laughs> we've got two two new customers here. Yeah, um, awesome. Well, and also it's cool that they. It's like. Cool people doing cool things recognize other cool people doing cool yeah, things. Yeah, it's a so, beautiful thing. It's that's a, a great synergy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then one other story that kind of sparked my uh, attention was uh, uh, Shark Week, Discovery Channel Shark Week at Telemundo. Yeah, yeah. So so I try to go to conventions and stuff with a model. I, at one point, I, was, I would pay for a booth and stand there all day and try to sell stuff, and, and it just got so boring. And everybody just wanted to see the models, you know? I was like, why don't I just attend, enjoy the shows, bring a painted model, take tons of pictures, hand out business cards, whatever. And uh, so I brought my one of my favorite models, Shadia Elise Gantus. Uh, she goes on Shadia Elise on Instagram. Uh, I brought her to San Diego Comic-Con as one of my painted sharks. Oh, nice. And, and we were walking around. I don't know if you've ever been to San Diego Comic-Con, but it's insane. No, I so, haven't. It's so huge. You can't possibly see everything in one day and yeah. it's spilling out into the streets now and so corporations and stuff are, are selling their products on the streets outside the convention center it's pretty amazing oh man and we were walking around and i had no idea that shark week was there i suspected that they probably would have a booth but I, then i saw people walking around with these foam shark fin headpieces that they were getting from shark tank discovery week and i was like we need to go we need to go <laughs> find their booth and yes. crash it and so we walk up, we finally find it, and it was outside in this big area, parking lot, grass area or something. And there was 
hundreds of people facing the stage that had a giant inflatable shark. It was probably 200 feet long. It was humongous inflatable shark. Oh, wow. it, was, it was chomping kegs. <laughs> hydraulic. It of had like a hydraulic mouth chomping kegs. And it had this great hype man on the mic, just like getting everybody excited. And Telemundo just happened to be on stage getting ready to film. And so we're walking by and the hype man spots my glittery shark model. And he's like, oh my God, look at that. And the whole crowd turned and look. And I walked around <laughs> and I just kind of like forced my way to the front. And the, the security guy by the steps who was part of the team um, he wanted her to get on stage. And I was like, yeah, I think, I don't remember if I encouraged her. I was like, you should put her on the stage, put her on the stage. You know? Yeah. And this was kind of like my way of like, I've always, I love sharks. And so I did a whole series on sharks and, and I was like, this is something that companies pay me for to do, you know? And so I was kind of saying, here's a little freebie. Let me put, let's get her on stage and then hire me next year to do something more, you know, formal. And uh, so she went on stage. And, and you say you need to learn business. And the, Come crowd, on. the crowd went crazy. And, and she was about to get off the stage. And I was like, just keep her on the stage. Keep her on the stage. They were about to do the Telemundo thing live. And then she ended up, they kept her on the stage. She ended up on the channel. I never saw it, but um, it was really cool. And then afterwards, everybody lined up to take pictures with her. And, and I talked to like whoever was managing that thing about like bring me in, here's my information, bring me in. And I never heard anything back from that. But uh, oh, really? Cool experience, yeah. That's cool. so cool, though. That's another one of those things where you just kind of you did great work, and you you were in the right place, and you you just went with it. Yeah, you know? I mean, like it's a part, of, it's part of the hustle. A little bit of a little bit of the hustle is in there, you know. Where you gotta, sure. You gotta do what you got to do. Like, like it's it's kind of what you said earlier like with social media, one of the big flaws I think of up and coming artists really fresh from school are they expect the world to find them. And that doesn't exactly. work. You have to put yourself out there. You have to put yourself right in front of the, the people you want to see it. You have to introduce yourself. You have to like kindly show who you are and show that you exist. And then hopefully you make a good fit for whatever needs these people might have. And then they hire you, you know, things and you, you have to do it effort, over and over again yeah too. if you don't if you don't make that effort you're, you're just gonna never be found that's so true and not only with social media but just with our general i i was uh, i was a uh, a victim of that not a victim but i put myself through that when i started out i was like you know what the work's gonna speak for itself it was basically a rationalization that i didn't want to learn how to do it right and i just wanted to like sit in my studio and drink and paint. And so I did that for a long time. And, you know, I did some shows, I did some gallery shows, but as far as like really making some progress, that only happened when I decided I got to take the reins here a little bit, put myself yeah. out there. Um, so that's, yeah, it's a great lesson. Um, and then, yeah. And then another tip is like, figure out where you really fit. Like don't submit your shark head work to like, a, a jewelry company, you know, if it has right. nothing to do with jewelry, I don't know. It's just the best example I can think of off the top of my head, but you know what I mean? No, it's so like, true. So like one of, one of the, one of the early publishings that I got with a magazine was for airbrush action magazine. Obviously it made sense. I'm an airbrush body painter. They, they published stuff with body painting in the past. So I, I prepared basically a whole how to do article on a specific body painting, sent it to them with a letter. Here's a tutorial on how to do this. Maybe you could publish it in your magazine. And I made it so easy for them that all they had to basically do was copy and paste it. And they ran it, you know. Boom. That's and then perfect. Like, and then later on, like, 
another airbrush artist asked me, how did you get into airbrush action? They've never contacted me about anything. It's like, have you ever reached out to them? And he said, no, that's why. <laughs> well, there no, you go. <laughs> they don't know you exist. You got Yeah, why them. would they? <laughs> yeah. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. These are business people. They're not, you know, they're not like clamoring. Over, it would be like a, time. it would be like a painter who does like, you know, insane um, pop surrealist clown art and and they try to get their stuff into a gallery that only shows landscapes. You know what right. I mean? Right. They're just not going to yeah. show you yeah. and it, you're just wasting everybody's time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that's a great lesson. Well, it's been awesome talking to you. I want to, I want to finish with this last one, kind of bring it full circle back to uh, Hermosa, uh, Hermosa Beach. Um, I know you've been working with a lot of local musicians uh, and studios. You want to talk about that real quick? Yeah. I mean, we've had some, some just such great, you know, like there's such great culture here in, in Mosa beach and the South Bay and, and the people, all the businesses, the local businesses, especially on our street in Cypress Ave where Shock, Shockbox is this resident gallery and Studio 637. They're Hermosa Music Company right next door to Shockbox. Yeah, awesome. I mean, it's just so many great things are happening and I've been able to collaborate with pretty much everybody. And, and you know, I just want to name drop Kira Lingman who, who kills it with her music locally and she's just like an amazing voice. It's, it's mind-blowing to see what comes out of this you know, stereotypical looking blonde haired surfer girl, but she sounds like, <laughs> a, like an old school, like blues man from Alabama. <laughs> oh man. And, and studio. It's kind of like the Amy Winehouse thing, you know, like we, like again, kind of like along the same terms as Neon Retro Arcade, you just have these great people that collaborate for the love of, of art and put it out there for the world to see. And, and it's a cool thing that that's been brought to the street. I want to shout out to, to Studio 637 for everything they've done in the community, helping combine art and music and technology and, and of course, all the amazing musicians. And I hope everyone can come check it all out someday when everything is fully reopened. I completely agree. And, and they did recently, they put up the Spring Fest, um, which was a, a full day YouTube festival, music festival. And they highlighted Shockbox and local businesses. Um, I know people were delivering pints to to the area. Um, yeah, they're just doing a lot of really cool stuff for the community down there. Uh, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Great vibes all around. For sure, man. And uh, it's definitely on my wife and my to-do list to try to we, we make the trek down there, which is sometimes an hour and a half drive a lot, but mm. um, hopefully we'll get a move down there uh, at some point and, and become natives or locals oh, too. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. We would love to. So, um, well, it's been awesome talking to you. Where can people find you online? Super easy. It's my last name, R-O-U-S-T-A-N on YouTube and Instagram. And my website is bodypainter.com. Yes. And you will be blown away by the stuff that Paul does. It's, it's amazing. I was Thank hooked. You. I could have, I could have wasted a couple days, not wasted. I could have, <laughs> I could have been, yeah, I could have spent two days on your YouTube channel alone. So keep up the Appreciate amazing that. work, man. And I know I'm going to see Likewise. you. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Hustle, hustle. I, I know I'm going to see you soon in person at one of the gallery shows. I can't wait yeah, for that. Um, is there anything you want to leave people with or you feel pretty good? Um, just come to the shows man. come support the arts. Yes, for sure. Shockbox yeah. Gallery, but also the arts in general. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks so much for sticking around for so long. I know a lot of people are going to find some of the stuff you said very useful. And I know for me, uh, there were a couple of things that I had um, I learned. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm an old hand here, and you, you gave me a couple of things that I need to chew on. So thanks for that. Thank you. 
Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, it was great talking to you. We'll talk soon. Awesome. Take it easy. All right. See you, man. This has been the Living Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just want you to know that I appreciate you being here, and I'm grateful to be in your ears. Your art and creative life on this planet is meaningful, so thank you for sharing it with me. If you like this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also leave me a positive review to show your support. This helps me to reach more people with the algorithmic magic and keep the show going strong. If you want to see more of what I do and check out the art that I create, you can visit my website at www.pmsartwork.com or follow me on social media everywhere at PMS Artwork. That's it for now. See you back here next time.